excited to have uh, you join us right here on Facebook Live. And if you would, would you immediately share this to your timeline? Um, just go right there to the corner of your screen and just tap on share and share it to your timeline. Or uh, you can do a watch party with your friends and actually invite people into a watch party to uh, enjoy this message and this entire service, as well as to uh, have some conversation during it, almost like a small group setting. And make sure after the service, join us for a time of prayer and worship at the end because we don't want you to miss that. If you have your Bibles, look at Exodus chapter 30. Uh, that's what we're diving into today as we talk about the altar of incense. Last week, we started getting into this area of the tent. There were two rooms of this tent, of this inner court. And this first room was called the most holy place. Next week, we'll get into the holy of holies, the other room. But we have the table of showbread. We've got the, the lampstand. But the third article that you cannot miss is the table or uh, the altar of incense. And so that's what we're going to dive into today. So could we just pray together uh, before we dive into anything at all? Jesus, we just invite you here. We invite you to, into this moment. Ask that you would just show us a great revelation of who you are today. I pray for people watching today that... Uh, maybe they feel isolated and just away from, from family and friends. And I pray that your presence would just be so real and tangible, that you would touch hearts, touch lives, let people know that you're near. Just be with us, watch over us today, and just meet with us and help us, Lord, to leave this live stream differently than the way that we've entered into it, Lord. We speak all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, I was a youth pastor, and many of you know that youth pastored in mid-Michigan. I loved my, my seven years in Midland, Michigan. It is a highlight of my life, one of the greatest privileges of my life. In fact, this week marks the 11-year anniversary of moving uh, my home and my family from one city to this city. And I enjoyed being a youth pastor and got an awesome opportunity to know just hundreds of teenagers and parents and just, uh, it's just one of the greatest honors ever. And one of my favorite things to do as a youth pastor was to go visit teenagers on their turf, so to speak. Uh, I wanted to go and be where they hung out and uh, especially when it came to sports because I'm very sports oriented and honestly, and didn't have a ton of athletes in my youth ministry, but when I did, I wanted to be at their games. And so one of my favorite places to see a high school basketball game is in the city of Beaverton, Michigan. If you've never been there, um, it's a really small town, but their gymnasium, it was brand new when I was there. It looks like the inside of a log cabin. It is gorgeous. And the Beaverton High School uh, basketball team, their mascot was, wait for it, the Beaverton mascots were the Beavers. I know, it just blew your mind how they came up with that. I will admit that's better than the, the neighboring city, their rival, which was Gladwin. Gladwin, their mascot was the Goshawks. And to this day, I don't even know what a Goshawk is. But I was going to see Nate play basketball there at Beaverton High School. And I just remember being on the phone because I'd been to Beaverton a number of times. I was on my flip phone, my I think it was my 2003 Motorola Razor, driving into Beaverton and talk, talking to my mom on the phone because that's what every good son does, gives their mom a call. And I'm talking to her and I started panicking. And you may wonder why I was panicking. It's because I saw the sign for Beaverton because when you saw that sign that says, Welcome to Beaverton, you had to end your call immediately because back in what, 2004 or five or whatever year it was, there was a block of no signal 
right when you got into the downtown. So if you did not hang up by the time you got to that sign for Beaverton, Beaverton hung up the call for you. And I would never forgot, every single time I tried it, I kept thinking, okay, maybe it got better, maybe it got better. It's, no, still the same. And haven't been to Beaverton in a long time. I pray that got fixed. Um, but this week as we're talking about prayer, I often wonder if that's how we assume God works with us, is that God drops our calls, or that we're cut off from God because of a lack of signal. But... I don't think the problem of prayer is that God wants to disconnect with us. I think the problem with prayer has very little to nothing to do with God at all. I think it's everything to do with we need to connect to him. Because when it comes to prayer, there are no signal problems. It's not like there's little access because the book of Hebrews says that because of Christ, we have access to the throne room of God. And the problem that I believe when it comes to prayer, again, it's not access and it's not connection. I believe it's an issue of priority. I believe that God has called you and I to be people of prayer. In fact, I love this quote by Billy Sunday. He says, if you are a stranger to prayer, you are a stranger to the greatest source of power known to human beings. I love that. If you are a stranger to prayer, you are a stranger to the greatest source of prayer, source of power known to human beings. You and I need to be a people of prayer. And I know what some of you are already thinking. You may be already thinking that maybe your prayers aren't as powerful or they're not as uh, eloquent as somebody that you know. Because when I think of prayer, I think of my great grandma Hunt. One of the greatest women of prayer, people of prayer that I've ever met in my entire life. When I think about prayer, I think of Grandma Hunt and immediately I think, okay, I'm not as much of a prayer warrior because I go there. But many times we diminish our prayer life, not because we have become disconnected from God because it's, it's on his end. I think many times we disconnect ourselves from our prayer life because we live in a comparative mode with someone else's prayer life. That brings us to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus 30 verses 1 through 10 spells out this amazing description of this altar of incense that God wants Moses to make. And the incense itself is it's, it's something very important. It's something we need to understand because that word incense actually comes up throughout scripture, kind of drawing back from Exodus 30 and going forward even into the book of Revelations. Let me give you some fast facts about the altar of, of incense. Is uh, Number one, it is the last article that you find in this portion of the tabernacle. In this room, we talked about last week, the lampstand, the table of showbread. And this is the other article that's in there. So it is the last article that you see before you get into the main, the heart of the entire tabernacle. Not only is it the last thing that you see, it's also the tallest of all of the articles of the tabernacle. This is the tallest piece that's there. Now, something for you to know in terms of a fast fact about uh, the altar of incense is it's always been associated with prayer. Now, when we talk about the, the bread, you could talk about numbers of metaphors that bread could mean or stand for. Um, you can even look at 
um, the lampstand and get into the scriptures. We can get into God's word. We can get into uh, Jesus being the light of the world. There's a lot of different things that you can draw from. But when it comes to the altar of incense, this is where commentators, people, preachers agree that really it stands for one thing. It's prayer. It is this burning prayer that's on the altar. And so the connection that really kind of comes into being here is that when you walk into the room, you go from being outside into inside, which we talked about last week. But the, the reason why it connected so well with the priest is because when you were outside in the outer courts, it was the smell of burning sacrifice, unpleasant. The sounds, the smells outside were totally unpleasant. But when you came inside the tent, not only did you notice things because of the lampstand, but immediately the atmosphere, the scent of the, the incense burning completely masked everything that took place on the outward and brought you into the place. And you notice it was a striking difference between being outside and being inside. In fact, when a priest would leave that inner court, everywhere that priest would go, immediately people would know where he had been. Why? Because he had been in a place of concentrated incense. He was in a place where it was a place of what we could call concentrated prayer. And so when he left that place, immediately on his countenance, almost soaked into his clothes, was the smell of that burning incense all over his body, all over his clothes. And that should really challenge me and you that when it comes to people of prayer, that when we are people of prayer, it should mark our lives. Being in God's presence should mark our lives. That we should be so, such in such a place that as we are pursuing God, that there's just something about us that just drips with his presence. That people can just sit and say, I know where you've been. By the peace on your life. By the love that you show. By the mercy that you have. By the attitude that you have during this time. The fact that you don't complain like everybody else does. You don't hold on to bitterness like other people do. What's the difference? You have been in the presence of the Lord. And I don't know any other way to do that better than the, in the issue of prayer. Being a people of prayer. I want people to look at our lives and simply say, He, she has been with the Lord. That's what I want us to look like. That's the aroma of our lives. I want us to carry the aroma of Christ. I was on a, a committee with our denomination uh, not too long ago where we were interviewing people to get their credentials to become an Assemblies of God minister. And so uh, I know a lot of our ministers in Michigan. I know a ton of them. And so we've just got a great rapport. They know me well. And so we were going through all these different interviews and interviewing um, numbers of men and women who are answering questions from us. And we get to approve or disapprove of them getting credentialed with our fellowship. And one young man came in and he was answering questions and he started answering things in a certain way that caused different committee members to kind of look over and start staring at me. And all of a sudden, a question came up about the Holy Spirit, and I remember the way that young man answered. And he answered in such a way that all of the committee members looked over and just stared at me. And then one committee member said, can we ask you, who did you do your internship with? And he smiles. He goes, I did it with Pastor Dave. And they all just started laughing because they said, we could tell. 
because you're answering in the ways that Dave would have answered. So we want you to answer in the way that you're going to answer. And I just kept cracking up because part of me was, I was kind of proud of him for just for answering at the same time. Um, I was a little bit nervous. I'm like, okay, I know, are they gonna think different of me? Um, I just, it was kind of in this mode of, was I too much of an influence? But I, they even took me back further. But that's what my mom knew about me. She knew the type of people I hung out with based upon the things that came out of my mouth or the attitudes that I had, the demeanor that I was holding. She knew immediately who I hung out with. It is evident from our lives who we are spending our time with. That's what I'm gathering from the first part of this talk on the altar of incense is there is this challenge. We need to be spending time with the Lord and we need to be a people of prayer because what we want is we don't want to go into a place of prayer expecting God to take on our character. We want to go into the place of prayer and we take on his character. So the incense, uh, the presence of God just sticks all over our lives. Prayer is standard equipment for a believer. It is non-optional for a Christian. In fact, I love what Martin Luther King Jr. says. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Oh, I love that, that's powerful. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. I love this quote by David. In Psalm chapter 55, verse 16 through 17, it says in the Passion Translation, but as for me, I will call upon the Lord to save me, and I know he will. Every evening, I will explain my need to him. Every morning, I will move my soul toward him. Every waking hour, I will worship only him, and he will hear and respond to my cry. I love that. Every morning, every evening, every day, David knew the power of being a human that just wanted to be connected to the divine Lord and Savior. I had a young man call me uh, this past year. I'm just so proud of him. He launched a brand new church two months ago, and I'm just, I'm just excited about what God's going to do with him there in California. And I remember when he called me, he says, says, Pastor, I wanted to call you. You are my youth pastor, and I'm calling numbers of pastors that you either revitalized the church or you started a brand new church. He says, what is the secret sauce? What is the key to getting a ministry started or revitalized or to, to get breakthrough? And my answer was simply this, you got to be a man of prayer. You got to be a pastor that prays. You got to be someone that goes into the throne room of God and like that altar of incense, that incense, that prayer just rises from your life. And he says, honestly, pastor, that's what everybody says. He says, that's the common denominator I'm hearing from every pastor that's, that's doing any type of ministry that has fruit. That's the secret sauce. It's prayer. And that altar was, the, was a box of gold. It was made of wood overlaid with gold. And what was placed in it produced the atmosphere. In other words, what was inside of it produced something through it. And that tells me that we can never, ever offer prayer that we're not actually producing or doing ourselves. I want you to understand, we, if you are a, a Christ-believing individual, you are an altar of prayer. You are called to be an altar of incense. You are a vessel of prayer, and I want you to see yourself as a vessel of prayer. Because here's the promise. Exodus chapter 30, verse 6, God says this, after you build it, 
I will meet you there. Underline that in your scripture. I will meet you there. That's the promise of God. He didn't say if you use the words, I'll meet you there. If you show up to the right church, I'll meet you there. He says if you play the right worship song or you sing the right worship song or if you sing a hymn or a modern song, if you just dress the right way, if you're this nationality, if you come to me loud or soft, he doesn't give any contingency. All he says, if you build it, if you present yourself as a vessel of prayer, don't worry, I'm going to meet you there. And that is a beautiful thing. That is a humbling promise that you don't have to be a prayer warrior and compared to be to anybody else that you know. All you got to be is someone who's willing to say, I'm going to be a vessel of incense, a vessel of prayer. And God's promise is he'll meet you there. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be refined. You don't have to be extravagant. God will meet you there. He is going to meet you there. So we're going to pause for about two and a half seconds, two and a half seconds, two and a half minutes. And I would invite you in the room that you're in, your living room, we do this in our living room, to ask the question in the room, what challenges do you face when it comes to prayer? Would you be willing to admit your biggest challenge? Is it just simple priorities? Is it planning? Is it time? Is it just, it's unfamiliar? Is it fear? Or do you feel unworthy, maybe ill-equipped? You don't know how to do it. Would you take the next two and a half minutes and would you just ask the question, what challenges do you face when it comes to prayer? And just see what everybody's answers are. And maybe toward the end of those two and a half minutes, would you just simply have somebody lead out in prayer over everybody just saying, God, help us to be people of prayer. Go ahead, go ahead and do that. Hey, how did that go? How did those questions go? Um, if there's anything I wanted you to hear in the room is that you're not the only one that maybe has a trouble spot or something that they're trying to grow in when it comes to prayer. Uh, I'll let you know where I struggle with prayer. I struggle with my attention span. 
this is where, um, call it ADD or whatever, that I, I have to pray, but with a like uh, a journal. I have my journal next to me, and I will write things down. If, if something comes to mind, I'll write it down quick so I can keep focusing on prayer. My attention span is probably my biggest growth point with prayer, but I wanted you to share that so that we could just kind of even the playing field, that as much as we all want to be better people of prayer, that we all have growth points that we need to work on and that we want to grow in. Let me give you another fast fact about the altar of incense. The altar of incense was meant to be filled daily, continually tended to, and done from generation to generation. Verse 7 of Exodus chapter 30 says, God told Moses, you must tend to it every single morning. Every single day, new incense needed to be uh, put inside of it. It needed to be lit a certain way. Verse 8, this must be done from generation to generation. What do these two verses tell me? That prayer was not just meant to be just something you breached during the day, but it needs to be done continually throughout your day, and it must be done from generation to generation. In other words, nobody is exempt. This is for kids. This is for teenagers. This is for young adults. This is for all of us adults. This is for everyone, and prayer was meant to be something. Paul put it this way. You should pray without ceasing that your day is a lifestyle and an avenue and a way to keep in connection with the Father, to talk with Him, and and to, and to operate in such a way that he hears our heart, but I think more importantly, we hear his heart. So I want to share with you just some, some simple points here. I want to write, I wrote down some, just some points about uh, prayer and some things I want to share with you today. Um, so if you're taking notes or you're following a new version, I'll write some of these things down. Number one, I wrote this, prayer is our first line of offense, not our last line of defense. Prayer is our first line of offense, not our last line of defense. Uh, One of my favorite illustrations I've ever done is I put a parachute on that I borrowed from um, an airfield, and I put it on while I was preaching one time, and I talked about how we tend to say all we can do left is is pray, or, oh man, now we need to pray about this because I've tried everything. Uh, We treat prayer like a parachute instead of of letting that be our first response is, let me go into God's presence. Let the incense begin to burn from this vessel, from this life, and let me just begin to fill this place with faith, fill this place with peace, fill this place with hope, with prayer. So prayer is our first line of offense. Secondly, I wrote down these three words. Prayer is influence. Prayer is influence. There are some things that you have been complaining about that you have yet to pray about. Prayer is influence. And now I want you to understand something. It's not about influencing God as much as that. I, what I mean is it influences us. In fact, I wrote this down. Prayer is about God's presence changing who we are, not about us changing who God is. Prayer is about God changing who we are. And it's less about trying to shape God and, and put him into place. I don't know if you've ever had somebody meet with you and the only reason they wanted to meet with you was not to get dialogue. It's for them to share a piece of their mind and just tell, they want to tell you what they think you should do and how you should live your life. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. I've had that happen plenty of times. But how often has prayer been regulated to telling God what he should do instead of walking in and realizing the purpose of praying is to meet with God and meeting with God should be a place where we are immediately influenced. When they walked into that tent and they would have seen the light from 
coming from the lampstand. They would have seen the table of showbread, but they would have been immediately influenced, breathing in the atmosphere of that incense. They would have transformed, going from a time of death, the sacrifice, to a place that was life-giving. Thirdly, I wrote, prayer is a focused conversation with God, not a lecture given to him. Prayer is a focused conversation with God. We're not there to lecture him. and It's about a conversation. What does that mean? It's not just about talking. It's about sitting. It's about listening. It's about getting his heart and not just giving up a piece of our, of our mind. Number four, prayers that are honest are prayers that honor God. I've had people say, I don't know how honest I could be with God. I'm scared to be honest with God. I think the greatest training ground for prayer is reading through the Psalms because the psalmist is so honest with God. But what I tell people is this, read the Psalms and then pray to the Lord like that. And I've had people say, well, I'm scared. But my, my approach is this, is God already knows your heart. He already knows what's on your mind. He wants you to be honest with it. And when we are honest with God, I believe honest prayers honor God. God is not offended by our honesty. He's not offended by your anger. He's not offended by your hurt. He's not pushed away by your offense. He is not, he doesn't draw himself away because you've got drama that's going on in your life. There's a song that we used to sing years ago that says he is just as close as the mention of his name. And when we are broken, the scripture says that he draws close to the broken. And I want you to understand that your honest prayers honor God. The last thing I wrote in my journal is this. Prayer is not just about releasing something to God, but also releasing ourselves to be a part of the answer. Prayer is more than just releasing something to God, but it's releasing ourselves to be a part of the answer. Prayer is not the drop-off point. Prayer is not the place where we just unload all of our baggage onto God's lap and we just walk away Prayer is that moment where we just give God what we have. But as we are releasing our arms to God, we leave our arms out wide, ready to say, God, release into my hands whatever you want, would want me to do so that I can walk in a way that is obedient to you. I want you to understand this. Prayer may start a move of God in your heart, but prayer also sustains the move of God in your life. Prayer, it can start a move of God in your heart, but it's prayer that sustains the move of God through your life. And I've had people say, well, I am a little nervous to to ask God uh, to give me something or to do something because I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. But I want you to be encouraged that whatever God calls you to, he will equip you to do that which he calls you to. He will not leave you in a place of brokenness. He's a God who restores you. He's the one who strengthens you, the one who gives you the talents and abilities, the one who equips you. He's the God who is with you. So my question for this week for you is simply this. How can you incorporate prayer into this week? Because you have to do it. God's not going to do it for you. In fact, verse 1 says, it's God saying to Moses, you shall make an altar in which to burn incense. This whole thing of incense began with God speaking to Moses, but Moses and Israel had to step out and do something for it. They had to produce 
the acacia wood, which means they had to chop down trees. They had to form that wood together. Then they had to melt down the, the gold. They had to cover the outside. They had to develop the incense. There's so much that had that, that had to be placed on the human being's shoulders. God was doing his, his part. He wanted the human beings. He wanted Moses. He wanted Israel. He wanted the priests to engage in the practice in order to have this time with him. And so that's why I come to that question that simply says, how can you incorporate? How can you step into this week and be a vessel of prayer? That's my second question. That's the second part here that I want you to take two and a half minutes to kind of digest and talk through. How can you turn your home this week into a sanctuary? How can you incorporate prayer into your home this week? I'd invite you to get creative. Maybe it's talking as a, as a couple. Maybe it's just talking as uh, just a group of you there that says, you know what? This week, every day, we're going to shut everything down for 15 minutes. We're going to play a worship song. We're going to have maybe a few minutes of silence. And then everyone just kind of lead out in a simple prayer. Uh, maybe you're going to do a prayer list. You know what, I, what I'm going to do right now? On our version notes, we have got a graphic that looks like, that looks like this. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm actually going to put it on my Facebook. And that way, for my week, how am I going to turn my house into a house of prayer? I'm going to post this and I'm going to let people respond underneath it so that I have a list of people to pray for. And so while you're doing your two and a half minutes, I'm going to post this live and I'm going to challenge you to do the same. Go on the, go on the U version, get the graphic, put it out there, and that way... People can start writing underneath there and you and your family can come together this week. Take 15 minutes and pray for just a few of them and turn your family room, your bedrooms, your dining rooms into sanctuaries of prayer. So take two and a half minutes and ask the question to your family, how can we turn our home into a place of prayer? Hey, I hope that time went well. 
I hope that you got creative just talking through how to do some, some prayer together as a family. Um, I hope that you maybe wrote some things down and you kind of stick to a schedule this week of just kind of shutting things down for a bit, getting rid of electronics and just kind of quieting yourselves in the Lord's presence and get creative with it. Uh, I've known people to develop uh, prayer closets or spots where they put up pictures of their families or people they're praying over. They write needs down. Uh, I've known people who will take five minutes to listen to a worship song, go into like five minutes of just quietness before the Lord and the five minutes of just kind of diving in and praying. There's a lot of prayer that can be done in five minutes. Um, just start somewhere, but I'm calling our church family to a week of intercession and prayer and do what I just did. Um, go on the Uversion notes, get the graphic out that talks about asking for prayer needs. Put it on your social media and see what type of response you get. You may get a massive response of people leaving needs. And I'm telling you, I don't know how you can uh, go into a time of prayer where you're praying for people other than yourself. I don't know how you go into that and not be changed. I don't know how you go into that and not have the Spirit of God just influence your life and influence your heart. I believe it's going to be a powerful week of prayer because we as a church body, we're not going to sit on our hands about it. We're not going to wonder if, the, if we've lost connection or if our prayer or call has been dropped. We know that we've got a strong signal because of the work of the Spirit of God. We know that we've got a strong God. And I believe we've got a people that are going to be strong in prayer, letting the incense of prayer rise and just seeing the presence of God fall and descend upon our community. The way I want to close today is I want to read to you the Lord's Prayer. In fact, I want to read it to you in the, the, the Passion Translation. It's a brand new translation of the scripture. And I love kind of the different approach that it gives to the verbiage of the Lord's Prayer. Let me pray this over you. Would you just bow your heads and, and do what we've been doing every week? Just hold out your hands in kind of a posture of prayer. And I want to pray the Lord's Prayer over you. Our Father... Dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom's realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled in the earth just as it's fulfilled in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us for the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the King who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. Love you all. This week, every single day, would you dedicate every day this week to be an altar of incense and a people of prayer. God bless.